All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Outside the Studio. I am so honored today to introduce you to Joanna Haynes. Um, if you don't already know her, you will by the end of this episode. Um, Joanna is a very multifaceted person. She's multi-passionate. <laughs> um, she is a soul alignment and spiritual mentor. She works closely with clients who are ready to expand into their highest timeline by reconnecting with their most authentic and precious expression, their energetic blueprint, which you're going to tell us what that is, right? Because I think I know, but I'm not an expert like you are. It's a sacred, oh, here we go. It's a sacred <laughs> reclamation of the whole self, leaving no part behind through a blend of different modalities such as, and I, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Is it Gabor? Yeah, Gabor Mate. Yeah. Gabor Mate. Okay. Who is an amazing individual in his own right. So if yeah. you've never checked out Gabor Mate's literature, his talks and stuff, I highly recommend checking him out. Um, so the modality of Gabor Mate's is compassionate inquiry, I believe, right? Yeah. Yeah, it is. And then human design, which is separate and Mm -hmm. the Akashic records, which is also separate and somatic embodiment. So there's so many different modalities here that you have studied that you pull from, which makes you this, yeah, multi-passionate. I mean, whoa, what a, what a cool, blend amalgamation of things you've studied and that you now offer what does that Mm -hmm. end up looking like in terms of like meeting with a client do you kind of pull from all of these different modalities and create an offering based on that yeah yeah so because everybody is so different because we are all here to express ourselves in unique ways which is what human design helps sort of show you is like where your gifts lie and how you're different and how you're supposed to be different. Um, depending on where clients are at and what they need, I feel like different pieces of those modalities come in, which is why I really love journeying with people for longer periods. Because when we have more time together, we get to slowly journey through whatever it is that we're working on and we get to pull from all those things. So, you know, I'm probably not going to bring in, um, all of it if we're just having one or two sessions together, you know? So it really just depends on what the clients had and what they need and also what they've been through in their, in their lifetime before and, and what kind of beliefs or traumas or um, locks they're up against. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've had, um, we've had a few different guests on the show who have talked about the different modalities of human design and Akashic records, but it's been a while. So can we just have a brief refresher in terms of defining those two different modalities? For sure. Yeah. So human design is, is a modality that kind of pulls together a few things like, um, astrology, um, the tree of life, um, the I Ching and quantum science and sort of brings it all together and generates a, a chart um, that sort of looks like something like this if you're if you're looking and it tells you how your energy is here to sort of thrive and how it's wired in your system and how it's going to move through you and so what happens in those sessions is I can share with you certain things about how your energy is meant to work versus how we're sort of programmed or told that we should show up in the world. And it helps you almost get confirmation about something you already know on a soul level because it's your chart we're looking at. So you already know it, 
from a physical level or a soul level in some ways, but it's not always something that we understand intellectually because we're always receiving so much data from outside ourselves that we kind of forget how to trust ourselves. So, th- so that's human design. It's, it, it's, it's a, a system that we get to generate a chart based on your birth time, date, location, and, and dive in that way. The Akashic records is much less tangible because it's, it's a, a frequency and energy that we attune to. And it's like an etheric library that we open with intention and mantra and connect to information about what is most relevant for you in this moment, because the Akashic records carry information on your soul through all timelines, dimensions, realities, all lives, every thought, action, deed that's ever happened and all possibilities for the future as well. So it's, it's way less tangible in that you can actually see it, but it's something we attune to and then kind of receive information in order to support you. Mm-hmm. It's that yeah. was always so hard for me to wrap my head around unless it's like, um, you know, I'm sitting down with, with a person who's doing a reading for me. And I don't even know if that's the right word to use when we're talking about yeah. Akashic records. Because it sounds like, yeah, like this amalgamation of, I mean, do you use anything like you do in human design, like a birthday or a Zodiac sign or anything like that? No, it's we, um, I think different people may work with it in different ways. Yet, um, it's really about using the reverence of mantra, you know, um, a set of prayer to open the records and attune to the person's name, um, and their energy field. And so you, and it's so funny because when you say it's hard for me to get my head around, like I work with the records, their offerings that I give, but yet when I'm speaking about it, I understand how crazy it may seem to the logical mind that you can do that. Yet it's, it's, it's a magical place to be. And it's, it's such a beautiful modality to work with. And I love sharing it. Yeah. How did you find this work? These, I mean, these human design and Akashic records in particular, um, what, what kind of drew you to them? I feel like they kind of found me when I was ready for them in that um, I'd seen human design on social media and was kind of just, like, oh, I've heard this thing over and over again. And then one day, you know, somebody's share hit me in a different way. And I signed up and had a, I had a session of my own and it completely blew my mind. And I just was so excited about it. I was so lit up by it. And then human design, like my strategy is to respond to things with my, my sacral. And so I could feel that happening while I was getting my session. And so I went like, full on into learning mode and trained in that right away. Um, I just went full on into that. And then a few years later, maybe from that, same with Akashic Records, I'd heard it and I was like, "Mm, whatever, whatever, whatever. And then one day um, I was like through such random synchronicities was reunited with one of my yoga teacher trainers like 10 years later. And um, she was offering sessions and for some reason it was just the perfect timing, the perfect person that I sort of trusted to take me on that journey and had my 
session with her. And it was such a powerful, profound hour of my life that once again, kind of threw me right into that. And while the training for that didn't come um, as quickly, because I didn't really know you could train in it per se, um, you know, I was, I was, going and having sessions and and connecting with, with the records through my mentor in that way. Yeah. Hmm. I think so. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I just, yeah, I think those things find you. I don't know how you would go searching for it in, if that makes sense. I think sometimes when we're on the path and, and just following the breadcrumbs, the things that you need and the things that are ready for you, they kind of come and it's the same for honestly, every training that I find myself in, I, I seem to stumble upon it when it's the right time. So I've sort of stopped searching because I know it'll always come when I need it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, I love that. So, okay. And then the third modality that you work with is Gabor Mate's. That's the compassionate. Now I'm forgetting what it's called, even though I just compassionate said. Uh, inquiry. Yes, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Will you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. That's just, um, it's really a way of, of meeting clients in a really compassionate way and seeing what is alive in them in that moment and bringing them into the body and journeying through a bunch of different stepping stones. It's not a linear path. It's just sort of all these different tools that we learn to find a way for people to meet parts of themselves that are echoing through their nervous system, through their life, through their subconscious mind, and um, sit with it in a different way and meet that part of them in a different way. Because I think a lot of times people think there's this part of me and I don't like it and I need to get rid of it so that I can be more this other thing. Yet that part of you is part of you and it's not going anywhere. And the more that we resist it, the more it's going to push back. But when we can just sit and create a little bit of space to meet it in a different way, um, we have a, an opportunity to change our relationship to that part of ourselves. So it's not leading the show or it's not hidden. Um, so that is a training that's just a very compassionate way of working through blocks and shadows that are probably presenting themselves in your life right now and kind of journeying back when we need to, or just being with whatever is when we need to. I love that. Yeah. That's a great modality to be working with. I think my question is with all of these things, and I find this to be true for myself, especially when I'm working with a healer of some sort, it's like all these things that um, I know I might, I might call a shadow or I might call an undesirable habit or behavior that I'd like to get rid of, or this like soul connection that I have with something that I kind of ignore or poo poo, you know, it's like this idea of why is it so hard for us to trust our bodies and our intuition? Because at least for me, and I'm curious uh, to hear your perspective personally working with these things and also to hear like what you experience with clients. But for me, at least it's like, I can have those aha moments. Typically I intellectually get it and I know it, but Putting that into putting that information into action to create a change in habit and behavior is probably where I struggle most. And so, yeah, with that in mind, <laughs> what, what do you do? You, have you seen that in your clients? Have you experienced that in yourself? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think what's coming through right now, and so hopefully it sort of speaks to this, is that I feel like it's a process of realignment and and re-meeting ourselves over and over and over again. And people tend to think that you go through these five steps and then you're cured or you're good and you're ready to go on and live your life. But the thing is, is that the this is living your life to realign to your truth, to realign to trusting your body. And it's it's a muscle that needs to be um exercised for sure. And then it becomes easier. And then the way I see it is that let's just say at the beginning of our journey, the pendulum swinging this like um as far right and as far left as possible. And you're like, I trust myself and then I totally don't. And it it's such a big gap. And then through realigning, um, through practices, through returning to it, through being realigned to the same thing over and over again by your mentor or who you're working with or the healer, um, I find that the pendulum stops swinging so aggressively. And then the realignment happens much more softly and with more ease, but it's not that you ever just get into the slipstream and you're good. Mm -hmm. Um, it, I mean, it gets a lot easier, but it, it takes more time than I think we're often told that we, it should, you know, we, we live in a world that's like, move fast, do this, do this, and then you'll be good. And I just think it, it's, it's more of a tender process. You know, I know all this stuff. I work with all this stuff and yet I still need to realign myself. You know, people, you don't just work out one time. You don't just hear something about yourself one time and then be good, if that makes sense. So it's really a realignment, a reattunement, a reconnection that happens over and over again with intention. Yeah, that's helpful. I think I find it, I think I find it interesting because I guess I'm speaking to it from the place of intellectually know that I need to change a particular habit of behavior. Like I know I need to, I know this habit of behavior doesn't serve me. Like for example, um, drinking wine at night, Mm -hmm. not help me sleep, but do I love my glass of wine? Yes, I do. Do I continue to drink it almost every day? Yes, I do. Would I probably sleep a lot better if I didn't drink that glass of wine once a day? Yeah, I probably would. But (laughs) so it's like, I mean, I'm with you a tangible, silly uh, example, but it's stuff like that. That's like very behavior based that does not feel like it's helping me in any sort of way. Right. (laughs) And I love that example because I can totally empathize with it as well. Um, So that kind of thing can be nuanced for different people, but it's, it's, the having of the wine also serves a purpose and fulfills some need. And whether that need comes from, I just like to experience pleasure and I'm afraid that I won't have another opportunity to experience pleasure. So I need to do it each and every day. Like there's so many different stories that could come behind why we do the thing that we quote unquote, know we shouldn't do because it doesn't serve us in this way. So it's about becoming clear through literally compassionate inquiry as to like, why, why do I do this thing? And then also attuning to what the intention is, because our intention always needs to be coming from a pure place that will be stronger than the resistance to whatever it is we're moving towards. And so 
if it's like, I just want to relax and have the wine and I'm willing to sacrifice my sleep today, then, then you make that choice, but you make that choice knowing that you want to do it and that you're doing it. You're, you're empowered in making that decision. Um, yet if it's like not sleeping is screwing up my life and I really want to nip this in the bud, then we would approach it in a different way, um, around that too. So I feel like I'm getting confusing here, but it's very nuanced, but all these behavioral habits that we think don't serve us come from a place because at one point, whether it's the drinking of the wine or the doing of something else served us to protect us in, in some way to, to, to it stepped in to take over for us. And so it's about being curious when it comes, where it comes from. And then once we have the awareness around it, I feel like that's the entry point to then start working with it in a different way. Yeah, no, that's really good. Cause as you're saying that I'm like answering all the questions, well, why do I do it? What, is, what purpose? Cause it does serve a purpose and you're right. It is about um, giving myself a treat, something I enjoy. It tastes good. I just love it. I feel like it's romantic. I sit there with my book at the end of the day. It's how I, you know, that. Yeah. And then when you start talking about, well, what's the next step if we decided that, um, I mean, you could insert any sort of habit or behavior for the wine. It doesn't have to be the wine, but the next step where I get really resistant is, okay, we know it's not serving my sleep. This has got to stop or change. I need to make a conscious decision in that. You said something about this intention being stronger than the need to have that in the moment. And I think that's really key. And mm-hmm. that's where my mind goes, oh shit, this is scary. I don't know if I can let go of this <laughs> behavior, you know, cause it's like, yeah. Passionate. And that, and I think that oftentimes that fear is what keeps us in that kind of loop of that unhelpful. Yes. Yeah. Change. Absolutely. We can really get, um, yeah, it's the fear is real and change isn't easy. And so sometimes we stay stuck in the familiar, even though it doesn't serve us because it's actually easier. So it's easier just to be like, have the wine. I know I'll wake up tomorrow and I'll be like, why did I do that? And I'll do it again. And it's very familiar to me. So the pattern interrupt takes a lot of energy to come in and and interrupt a pattern. And so again, it's about realigning and excuse me, getting clear on what is an intention? Like, what do I truly want? And then, and, and using that to like anchor you each and every day through, through the, the, the rough spots. And also not again, poo-pooing, dismissing, judging the part of you that does the thing that doesn't serve you. Because as soon as you're like, you're bad, then that part's like, what? And comes in stronger. Mm -hmm. So when we can sit with that part, that's like, well, I need it because I don't know how else to relax. It's like, okay, you weren't taught how to relax or you weren't taught how to regulate your nervous system or whatever it is. Um, And then that's when we journey in with compassionate inquiry or going into the body or, you know, that's where we can use the Akashic records to help do some clearings. That's where we can do some tapping. You know, that's where you pull on a whole bunch of different things, depending on people's reasoning for being where they are. Yeah. Mm, Yeah. I love that. Well, so kind of on this thread that I'm wondering what, uh, maybe this is it, but is there a biggest block that you see clients facing, um, like in general, or if it's when they want to start something new? Ooh, 
Hmm. I mean, the answer that's coming for that truly is trusting themselves to know. I think ultimately it comes down to that so often because we almost want someone to validate what it is that we want for ourselves. And you don't need that. And, and you no one's ever going to show up and say, today is the day to do the thing you're scared to do. I mean, sometimes you get pushed into that, but n- no one's going to come forward to, to, to tell you to claim your life in a different way or the way you actually want to. And so we can get really stuck in not trusting that like those whispers, that pull, the goosebumps, the inner knowing, we're like, that's not real. What is real is outside authority or or going through the going through steps in the way that somebody else is. And so yeah, I think self-trust is something that people struggle with a lot because we outsource that in our society a lot as well. Man, I so resonate with that. I'm just thinking about are there do you use any I'm sure you pull from all the modalities, but are there any like few tips or tricks that you would employ to to help strengthen that ability? Yeah. And trust. Yes, I think that human design is a lovely entry point for that because sometimes, um, you know, intuition speaks to people. Well, always intuition speaks in a different way to different people. So when you say like trust your gut to people, it's not always as simple as that for some people because that's not always people's, you know, authority. And so just sitting with someone and sharing like this might be how your intuition speaks to you you know that one with it's not your mind like this is the thing this is the thing that everybody even if you've never had a human design reading or you don't know or you don't care to know your mind is not your authority your mind is a beautiful tool to witness the world to have ideas to form opinions to you know gain some clarity over some confusion to think about things it's not here to actually make the decision so when you can learn how your body is communicating, your intuition is communicating with you, you, you can begin to um, trust that and play with that. It's, it's not like, it's just play with it. You don't have to nail it. You know, even notice, oh, my intuition spoke to me. I think I should do this, but my mind's stepping in to tell me this is the other logical path to do it. I'm not going to listen to my intuition right now. I'm going to do the thing my mind says. But at least own the fact that you're doing it and and acknowledge it and then see what happens. You know, people think they need to get it right. It's okay. You know, the universe is here to support you. Just own where you're at and and be honest with what you're, the way that you're moving. Um, And so gaining clarity that it's not your mind is one of the biggest steps, I think. Mm -hmm. And then learning how your own intuition is speaking to you. And again, it's a muscle that we need to strengthen. So it's okay if you get it, if you quote unquote, screw it up sometimes because you didn't listen. There's another opportunity to realign to it. Well, so I'm trying to think back to what I do know about human design. And this is really helpful because, you know, uh, so I hear people a lot say, I was like out for a walk and I saw a sign. I saw a heart on the ground. My sister looks for hearts everywhere and she always finds them everywhere. And I think, well, you're looking for them. So of course you're going to find them. And perhaps that is her just following her intuition. And so when you say, um, learn how your intuition speaks to you and it might not be your gut, what are the mm-hmm. other ways that our intuition speaks to us? 
Well, for some people, it's like instinct. It's it's more like a whisper. Like it's more um, just one time. It's like, do the thing. Don't do that. And they just feel it and they know it. And then they're like, question it. And it doesn't keep coming back. So in, in human design, that would be like spleen or splenic authority. It's just like where your instinct, fight or flight lives, survival lives. So it speaks to you one time. Um, the sacral is just much, it's a, it's more of a visceral thing. It's a yes or a no. Other people actually need to feel into how their emotions and ride their emotional wave and gain clarity through time. Like making impulsive decisions, instinctual decisions doesn't make sense for some people. Some people it's because they have the motivation to do it. They're like, if I'm motivated to do it, that's a sign that I need to do it. And if I'm not motivated to do it, I don't need to bypass that and push through. Other people need to talk about it. So they kind of have a feeling or a sense, and then they'll talk about it to hear how the resonance of their voice sounds to themselves not to get somebody else's opinion, which can be a very hard thing to find, you know, just, I need to hear myself speak Mm -hmm. to hear myself speak. And I gain clarity through that. So it's not, this is the thing. Sometimes people think that intuition is like this voice that comes down and it's bigger than you. But the thing is that your intuition is going to speak to you in a way that you understand, right? Because if that happened to you, it would be so jarring to the system. You would be like, I'm going crazy. So you get those signs in a way that makes sense to you. And then the more um, you cultivate them and become more trusting, it's just that it's like, oh yeah, that's my yes. That's my no. That's my wait. That's my this. You just become more familiar with it. And it's almost like you cultivate a relationship with it. Mm-hmm. Um. I do want to say that I love the example about your sister's, you know, looking your sister looking for hearts too, because you said, of course, um, you're going to see them because you're looking for them. But that is such a beautiful, like it's so simplistic. Yet that is how we manifest and pull from that etheric field of infinite possibilities. Is you look for the possibility, and in where you're looking, that's what draws it to you. So you're like, yeah, but the heart was already there. And it's like, yeah, but so is the possibility that's up here. It's just that you need to pay your attention to it to actually bring it into form. So um, I know it's kind of off from how your intuition speaks to you, but it's such a powerful lesson for people or just tip that it's like, yeah, it seems really simple when you're doing it about hearts butterflies. Oh, I want to see a green car, you know, and then you, you'll see a green car when you know that you're going to buy a new car. And you're like, I think I want to buy a Jeep. Then all of a sudden there's like 500 Jeeps on the road. They didn't come there because you started thinking about it. It's just that now you're noticing it. And that's exactly how manifestation works. It's just that people are less emotionally or egoically attached to the car than they are to their big dreams. Right. Yeah. So sorry, it's kind of off topic, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm happy to go towards <laughs> manifestation. If there's anything else you want to add to that, because I think it's a, I think it's a word that's kind of like one of those, I feel like it's a trendy word that a lot of people use nowadays that I don't know if we always know what we are talking about when we say manifestation, like, for example, mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember what podcast I was listening to. It might've been like Tim Ferriss or something. Mm-hmm. He was interviewing a guest and the guest was talking about how he started to just write down in his journal every day what he wanted to manifest. So literally it would be like, 
I want to be a famous comedian. I want to be a famous comedian. And he would write that down, just that word or sentence or phrase like 15 times. And he would do it every day for, I don't know how long I'm just making this up because I don't remember yeah. exactly what was said, but the thing that he was writing down actually happened. <laughs> and so I think yeah. that's a form of manifest. I mean, and this was like a big pie in the sky kind of, you know, manifestation. Yeah. So what are we, what are we talking about when we say manifestation? What does that actually mean in practice? And, you know, uh, on the level of manifestation? Yeah. Okay. Well, I can speak to how I sort of think about it and I'm not an expert, but you know, I know there's a lot of experts out there in that way. Um, I, well, I mean, I guess in some ways I am. And because I think that it's pulling taking un, unlimited potential. And when you bring your attention to energy, it begins to form. Like that's, that, you know, I'm not a quantum scientist, so I'm, that's about the explanation you get from me. Um, but when you bring your attention to the energy, that's when it starts to take form. So manifestation is really taking anything from the infinite field and bringing it into the 3D field. So the person who is writing, I am becoming a comedian is paying attention to that possibility. He's not paying attention to, the, to, I'm not a comedian. He's paying attention to, I am. And in that attention, in that um, intention, he's, uh, he's pulling that energy and frequency for towards him and creating it. I think it's also with intention it's where you're pointing your arrow in life as well. And so to believe, you need to dream, you need to believe, you need to trust that what it is that you desire is your desire because it's for you and move towards it with confidence. And it's okay if the wobbles happen, oh my goodness, that's part of being human. Yet if you're not dreaming it or holding it for yourself, there's literally no way it's going to come to you because you know, I don't want to see a Jeep. I don't believe I can see a Jeep. You're just not going to notice them. Right. So I don't know if that's a clear and succinct answer, but I feel like it's just bringing every possibility out there. The ones that are for you, it's focusing your attention on what you want and bringing it to you. Yeah. I, I love that explanation. I love the idea of the infinite possibility because that is right. There is infinite possibility in this world. And that's, what's so cool about being alive and being a human being that we have yes. crazy potential to do something with, whether that be for good or bad or like without color, but it's there, this limitless potential. So I love the idea of just really getting clear about, I think, getting clear about what you want and why you want it is important in, man in manifestation work but then actually focusing on it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I think a, another layer to that too, just is like you focus on it, but you're unattached. And I think that's why seeing a heart is so easy because you're sort of unattached. But as soon as you're like, I'm a comedian and it's my dream in life, you be, your ego becomes so attached to it. So the reason why it's fun to play with like, okay, I'm going to manifest seeing a heart today is because you can release it easier and then it just comes and you're like, yes. And if it didn't come today, you're like, that's okay. There's still hearts out there and they're still coming for me. Whereas when you're so focused on it, you're, 
your your ego is clinging to it because there's the unconsciously potentially the belief that you don't think you can have it. So you hold on to it. And then you're also putting out there, I don't think I can have it. Mm-hmm. So it's, I think it's nuanced and it's, it's, it's not easy to let go of the big desires, but when you just plant the seed and, and release it and trust that in each, every moment it's coming towards you. And if it's not, it's because something better is. And that thing that you wanted maybe was coming from a place that you you weren't super clear of. And actually the root of it is what's coming for you. Um, if that makes sense. So, um, I can't think of an example right now of my own, but I know that some of my bigger desires have actually changed slightly because they were maybe coming from a little bit of like fear. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, yeah, I want that thing so that I feel safe. But actually, I didn't really need that thing. I wanted to feel safe. And that can come to me in many different ways. So sort of nuanced. But, you know, um, if something's pivoting for you, it's an opportunity to kind of lean in and, and see why. Yeah. I mean, to me, that's an invitation to understand the tone and the energetic vibration. And I guess, like, very tangibly, the emotion that underlies our intention, what we're manifesting and why we want it. It's just an invitation for me when you, when I hear you say yeah, that. Absolutely. It's all an invitation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It always yeah. is just an invitation. Yeah. I love that though. Thank you. That's great. Um, so we mentioned shadow work, uh, a little bit ago, and I wanted to come back to that because I was thinking about shadow work in in terms of like another one of those terms that I feel like is kind of a hot term right now. And I want to be sure we're clear in defining what that is. And also if it's, can it get lumped in with trauma? Like can shadow work get lumped in with like, you know, our own individual trauma that we all experience in varying degrees and varying levels and throughout different times of our lives. Is there a difference between shadow and trauma? And also what is shadow? Mm -hmm. So for me, the way that I see shadow is that, um, let's just say that you have you and you're in your purest expression, you know, early in life, let's just say, and something happens, whether it just be like a thought, um, a spoken word that, that caused you to constrict, you know, and then something else came in to kind of protect that part of you that felt vulnerable. And so that piece that comes in, I see it as almost creating a shadow over top of the part of you and hides part of you. And so in some ways, I think that it can be or is linked to trauma because, you know, trauma, as Gabor would say, isn't necessarily the thing that happened, like the event, it's what happened to you, where you may be disconnected from your authenticity and something else stepped in to to, um, protect you. And so, yeah, I do think trauma and shadow can be very, um, very linked. I think shadow can also mean to some people like being in the subconscious and, and in that way, it's not all bad. Like shadow isn't all bad or things we need to work through. It's just sometimes there's echoes of things that we're just very unaware of what is driving us because we we don't know it. And um, creating space for those stories to kind of come up and come out of the shadows into your awareness 
can help you um, either clear them or integrate them or return to sender if they're not yours. There's beliefs that you picked up through witnessing something in the world and it's just, it's not your truth anymore. So yeah, I mean, it's a great question and I don't have a clear and concise answer because I think, again, it's very nuanced to, to the person, but I do think that shadow and trauma can definitely be in the same realm of the human experience. Absolutely. I do love nuanced answers, by the way. <laughs> okay, <laughs> good. Cause you're getting them. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think that's the essence of so much of this stuff and so much of life is nuanced. I think we really do ourselves a disservice when we get stuck in this idea of there being a right and a wrong and a black and a white and a clear category, because so much of it is really just gray and nuanced. And I think when we can let ourselves be in that nuance and that gray, and it's hard to do, gosh, I struggle with that, but it it allows ourselves to, I think, expand our point of view so much more. It allows so much more opportunity and different ways to do things. And for this person to be right in their way, and for that person to be right in their way, and for that person to do that thing that works for them without you know what I mean? Without having to be like, oh, there's only one right way to do this. So that's why I love nuance so much. A hundred percent. I get on my soapbox about that because I've been going through a teacher training and, um, you know, when, when you're learning how to teach yoga, you want to know the right way to do something Yes. so that you can file it away in your brain and be like, okay, well, this is the only way to do that thing. And there's just so much nuance to teaching yoga that I'm like always saying nuance, nuance, nuance. Um, can I add one more thing in that too, Yes, <laughs> is that I think that's in some way comes back to the self-trust. It's like, I'm getting the knowledge. I have the knowledge, but when it turns to wisdom and it's just part of me, I'm going to know what I need to know in each moment to serve whoever's in my yoga class in the way that they need to be served. And we want like, what are the eight steps to take people through this trauma that they're experiencing? And it's like, how on earth? Could you possibly think that there's eight steps that are going to serve every human who's had a traumatic experience in their life? And so you learn like you, yes, you need to be trained in certain things to take people to certain places, but there has to be an element of trust that I can trust myself with what I have to support this person in the way they need and, or support myself in the way I need, like the, the knowledge is great, but we need to come back to saying like, but at the end of the day, I'm my own authority. And why would I not know better? Why would I not know what I need? Why would I not know what this person that I'm in the room with attuned with? Mm-hmm. Maybe I make up a pose that there's no word for it. Is it now long, no longer yoga? Of course not. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I love that. Not to, to, you know, like there's like lineages and, you know, like I work with yoga nidra. It's a lineage. I love to honor and respect it, but sometimes it's fun to also take creative measures with it and then put it out into the world. And it's, yeah, it's, it's your own, yeah. you know? Well, and yoga's evolved so much over thousands of years. It was, you know, I mean, it's always changed. It's always evolved. It's always been nuanced. <laughs> totally. So I love what you said. I'm going to take that back to my teacher training, teacher trainees and share that with mm-hmm. them. <laughs> I'm sure they'll be like, yes, Tessa, we understand you like nuance. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I love that. Well, okay. So last question. Okay. Um, 
because you're you've got these these great multi passions. I mean, we could pull from Akashic Records, we can pull from Human Design, we can pull from Gabor Mate's work of Compassionate Inquiry. Um, and I think you know all of these have elements of what's so important to me is what is my life purpose? How do I know if I'm on the right path? And how can I pivot to be sure that I'm like in alignment with that life purpose? Um, so I'm wondering if there's something that you can share with everyone <laughs> um, about their life purpose. Yeah. I do have something that I can share. And I know there's going to be people that are like, what? No, <laughs> but <laughs> your purpose in this lifetime is who you be. It's not what you do. What you do gets to be an expression of who you are and you get to share yourself through your work or your, um, your job or your, your, I don't even want to say job because so many people do so many beautiful things that aren't paid for. I just mean like your duty in this, whatever you're doing, it's important. Your doing is important if it's important to you. But your purpose is what you bring to each and every moment and the people that you meet. And so how do you connect more deeply to your purposes? Start to notice, like, when do I feel good? When do I feel alive? When do when do my gifts, when do I feel like in my natural flow? When do I find myself doing things that I feel like I could do all day long and I would do for free because I love it? You know, that's you in your, your magic lane of just being who you are. And so... When you can connect to that more deeply, the doing, the dream job, what am I supposed to do with my life tends to come to you. Mm-hmm. So um, soften into the space that it's who I be and how do I want to feel? And that's your purpose. Mm-hmm. I love that's that. what you're here to share. Yeah. Yeah. It's who I be. Yeah. What a great quote. I'm writing that down. thank you so logistical question for you is where can people go to find out more about you and connect with you and I imagine like you do you work with people online from all over the world yeah I have clients um in lots of different places and most of my sessions are done on zoom so it's very easy to connect um my website has has all my my offerings and all the information on that, which is Joanna Haynes, J-O-A-N-N-A-H-A-I-N-E-S.com. And I use Instagram. I like Instagram as um, a fun place just to interact with people too. And that is it's Joanna Haynes is my Instagram. But those are, yeah, those are the two places that I'm most active. Very cool. Oh, you know, I actually do have, I lied. I have one more question because before we started to record, we talked about your brick and mortar store that you operate with your sister and it is a brick and mortar, but I'm curious if it has an online platform because it sounds like such a cool shop. It's a refillery and and Mm -hmm. like home goods supply. Yeah. I can just imagine just judging by your background, that is just (laughs) gorgeous. And I would definitely want to check out (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Um, It's so funny you say that because when we created the shop, I was like, I just want it to be a space that people feel good in. And it was just every detail was like, I just want them to feel good when they walk in the shop. And I think we've executed that. And it's just, it's like lovely to be seen in that because it was really a big driver for me. Um, So that is Inferni and that 
website is Drift and Sonder. So it's D-R-I-F-T-A-N-D-S-O-N-D-E-R.com. And um, yeah, everything is, is there online. Very cool. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah, is there welcome. any last thing you want to share that I haven't asked you that you were hoping I would ask you? <laughs> No, I love coming into these with no expectations and just sort of being present to wherever the conversation takes us because it's always different and it's it's always just perfect. So no, I I feel very complete and very happy to be here and chat with you. It, it was lovely. Good. Well, likewise, I had a wonderful time, Joanna. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us. Thank you for having me. Everyone, that concludes another amazing episode of Outside the Studio. I hope you enjoyed yourself. I hope you learned something new, maybe remembered something old, maybe felt inspired to apply something to your life. My, <laughs> you can hear my dog in the background. She's doing a little happy dance. Um, so Daisy enjoyed it. Anyhow, I wanted to just pop in here to wrap us up to say a couple of things. Number one, I have such an amazing team that helps me put these podcasts together. Without them, I wouldn't you know, be able to bring these amazing conversations to you. So thank you to my producer, my director of creative services, my sound editor, my um, engineer, Consistency Media don't know what I would do without you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And the amazing creation and artistic musical genius, Drew Lovern. Thank you so much for putting together this music for specifically for outside the studio. So unique to the show. Only place you're ever going to hear it is right here. Thanks you guys. You make my world go round. Stay well, everyone. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review, share on the socials, especially if it's a show that you think, hey, this could help somebody else. That's what this is all about, right? We're sharing information so that we're better, um, so that we're inspired, so that we're lifting each other up and we're learning how to be in this world, living on this planet to the best of our ability, sharing information and inspiring one another. And that's my hope. That's my hope for the show. Take care.